Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, today I wanted to give a talk from the set of teachings called The Maxims of Master Hanshan. Um, I prefer to call them the teachings of Master Hanshan, I think. It's just short little pithy phrases that were written by this Chan master named Hanshan De Ching, and he lived in the 600s in China, and I have found them to be really approachable and relatable for us in the world today. So I probably will do a series on all of them, but this is about just one. And I'm going to read the verse to you, and then I'm going to comment on it. I really like this one, and I really like this set of teachings. Han Shan De Ching, his name means Silly Mountain, so his name is his he's really Chan Master Silly Mountain. And he was sort of a hermit and sort of a crazy person, like, or he was viewed as a crazy person, rather. But, like, he just sort of wandered from place to place and gave teachings. He did not, like, establish a big temple and try to get a bunch of students and try to get, like, the government to support him and that kind of stuff that a lot of teachers in his time did. But he just was a simple teacher who was very humble and... He questioned some things other teachers were doing. So I like him. He's kind of a renegade, so I like him. So uh, this is the verse, and then I'm going to talk about it. When we preach the Dharma to those who see only the ego's illusory world, we preach in vain. We might as well preach to the dead. I'm going to read that verse again. When we preach the Dharma to those who see only the ego's illusory world, we preach in vain. We might as well preach to the dead. So, uh, people know this about Buddhism, I think, that it's not, uh, we're not proselytizers. That is, we don't go out and try to get people to become Buddhist. We don't go out there, you know, holding signs, ringing bells, um, asking people to join. As I walk this path, I, I sometimes, I mean, I do. Obviously, I feel a responsibility to share the teachings. I'm um, sharing them right now. And it's okay to have that that uh, inclination. But the point is that we're going to give them to people that want them. And I've had the experience where people express an interest, but... I can tell they're not really, or I don't think they're really interested. So that makes me reluctant to share teachings with them. I'm not, I'm not by nature an extrovert. Like I'm not by nature a pe people person. Like all these speaking skills that I have, I've had to develop because they don't come naturally to me. But I'm saying that because I have that sort of reluctance if I think someone's not really interested, but they're like, oh, you're Buddhist. That's cool. Um, that's not the right attitude. That reluctance is not the right attitude. As Buddhists, we don't go out and try to win people over. But if people express interest, it's a good idea to share the teachings with them whenever possible, to at least have a discussion, to at least 
be open to that dialogue because some people want to talk about it, but they need to see a whole lot of openness before they're comfortable. That being said, I don't know that that's really what Han Chan's talking about here. This is more the statement against evangelizing, the statement against going out and chasing people who aren't interested in the Buddhist path. If people aren't interested, then we're preaching in vain, like preaching to the dead. Um, that is, you may as well not try. And we can relate that to um, day-to-day life as well. I think of uh, getting in arguments on the internet, right? Arguments on Facebook is like preaching to the dead because it doesn't go anywhere and it's pointless. Trying to give Buddhism to someone that doesn't want it doesn't go anywhere and it's pointless. And I'm going to read the next section now. It's a bit longer, but I'm going to go ahead and read it because we're still in what's considered Maxim 1, okay? How foolish are they who turn away from what is real and true and lasting and instead pursue the fleeting shapes of the physical world, shapes that are mere reflections in the ego's mirror. Not caring to peer beneath the surfaces, deluded beings are content to snatch at images. They think that the material world's ever-flowing energy can be modified into permanent forms, that they can name and value these forms and then, like great lords, exert dominion over them. Material things are like dead things, and the ego cannot vivify them. As the great lord is by his very identity attached to his kingdom, the ego, when it attaches itself to material objects, presides over a realm of the dead. The dharma is for the living. The permanent cannot abide in the ephemeral. True and lasting joy can't be found in the ego's world of changing illusion. No one can drink the water of a mirage. So that was a lot to take in, wasn't it? What we're talking about is this key Buddhist teaching called impermanence. Impermanence. And that is just, you know, things don't last forever. And I think uh, to a degree, intellectually, we know that, but at the same time, emotionally, we don't, we don't always know that. The truth about the world is that everything is fleeting. Everything is fleeting, right? And I think the older we get, the more obvious that is. That is, um, I'm over 40 now. I've got gray in my beard. My body's not working as well as it used to. I'm kind of slowing down. Um, so that's a big reminder that I'm impermanent, right? And But also, you know, the older you get, the more people you know pass away, right? And of course, there are things like, like cars, right? You know, we have cars and they're quite expensive and slowly they break down. Parts of them fall apart until there's no saving it, right? That point comes eventually. And that's a big example of impermanence because the car breaks, right? The, we want our cars to last a long time because they're quite expensive, but they break down. We want our bodies to last a long time because uh, it's where we spend all our time, but they break down too. And uh, the truth is we can probably think of people who really rail against the that impermanence, rail against the breakdown of their bodies. So I'm thinking of like famous people who go to great lengths to avoid the signs of aging. You know what I'm talking about? People who get Botox or whatever other plastic surgery there is to look younger, to get rid of wrinkles and dye their gray hair and um, 
I'm not judging those people, but I am saying, man, that must constantly feel like a losing battle, right? How are you happy if you're constantly battling time? Because time is coming for us all, right? And I mean, I, I kind of think gray hair is beautiful, but and wrinkles are beautiful too. They show you've lived life, but uh, definitely plenty of people don't see things that way. Our culture really values youth, right? So it can be a really hard thing to let yourself get older, and especially these these rich and famous people who have, you know, plenty of money. They can do whatever's available. They can do to try to forestall what's coming. But of course, ultimately, that's only going to work for so long. And you know, um, I'm not sure how to express this, but plenty of people try to fight against aging, and it doesn't really work the way they they want it to. I think. And they end up, you know, having kind of a weird uh, – that that appearance where you look at them and you think, I don't know what's wrong with that person's face. But it's something, right? And, you know, other times they get, you know, a great condition and a 50-year-old can look like a 30-year-old. But uh, that's all an aside. I don't, I don't know why I decided to go down that road. But I also want to talk about emptiness because Hanjan in the verses used that word illusory. A lot has been made about this word in Buddhism, emptiness, that we talk about a lot also. And uh, the original term in Sanskrit is shunyata. And to me and to many others, it, uh, it represents a sort of boundlessness. That is, there's a lot of potential but some people, they hear that word emptiness and they think, oh, Buddhism's very negative. Buddhism's nihilistic. And it's, I mean, I think it's not. I think Buddhism is a very po- positive spiritual path, actually. It certainly is for me and it is for many of the people I know. Emptiness is not the idea that there's nothing, but rather that there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to hold on to, including your own identity. Our identity changes, right? The way we think changes, the way we feel changes, everything changes. So we put so much value also on the things we want and on the things we have, keeping the things we have or improving the things we have or whatever. And the fact of the matter is, whatever it is, you can't take it with you, right? So even if you keep something your whole life, you can't take it with you. There's a saying in uh, the Hebrew tradition that I think applies here, and that is, I think it's from the Hebrew tradition. Actually, now that I say that, I'm not sure where it comes from, but it is, there are no pockets in burial shrouds. There are no pockets in burial shrouds. And what's that mean? Well, it means whatever you've got. You can be the richest person in the world. It doesn't matter. You're still going to pass away. And when you pass away, that's gone. That's over, right? So that's an important thing for us to think about. There are no pockets in burial shrouds. I like that a lot. You can't take it with you. Not only that, but also this. Whatever you're clinging to is probably not going to be around all that long. Whatever you're clinging to is probably not going to be around all that long. Things break. Relationships end. Money runs out. Our physical bodies wear out faster and faster as we get older, right? I can, I can tell when I get sick illnesses sure do last longer for me, right? And that's because I'm getting older. Um, whereas my, my, 
I'm thinking in particular of my sons uh, because they seem to get sick more than my daughters. But my sons, they get sick and they're back real quick sometimes. And I'm, I feel like if I get sick, I'm never back real quick. So that's just my body wearing out. That's just the nature of the human body. And all the things are we are clinging to are illusory also because they won't bring us lasting happiness. What do I mean by that? I mean, I think we've all had that experience where you really, really want something, whether it's a new job or a possession like a car or um, a relationship with a special person or whatever. And a lot of the time, those things don't meet our expectations, right? Some Sometimes they do get close, but other times they don't meet our expectations at all. And we think we wanted something and it turns out it's not really what we thought. And I think of, in that case, I think of like um, all these rock stars we've heard about who, you know, they got fame and fortune and they got everything and they wanted and then they realized they weren't unhappy. They weren't happy. They were still unhappy, rather. And, you you know, you get fame and fortune and you're still unhappy. Oh, that thing I was chasing that I was sure would make me happy didn't work. And then the, some of these people just go on to live really reckless lives and some of them even kill themselves because they realize, oh, I thought things, I thought things and attention were going to get me true and lasting happiness and they didn't. And often the things we try to own end up owning us, afflicting us with further obsession and clinging, further obsession and clinging. I'm thinking of, and this will date me, but um, this film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you're familiar with it. Um, there's a character in it. His name's Cameron. And his dad has a very, very expensive, fancy car. And he doesn't drive it. He just looks at it. And looking at it makes him happy. And he wipes it with a diaper. Which is a weird, weird thing on its own. But he's just clinging to a thing, right? And it, it comes to pass, spoiler, that spoiler for a... 40-year-old movie, it comes to pass that the car gets wrecked. And we, we don't see what happens with Cameron's dad, but I can imagine the car getting wrecked really, really just ruins his day, ruins his life, maybe. But he's so clinging to this car that he loves it more than his wife and son. So that is the way we are sometimes. We get obsessed with things. And the truth is, these things are impermanent. They're going to go. And there's a teaching in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition of sort of um, lessening, our, lessening our clinging by trying to view things in their ultimate form, in what they will be. So, you know, you try to look at your car as its future, which is not a car anymore, right? Broken down, not working. You try to look at your, even your loved ones as, as skeletons. Or if you really cling to food, you try to look at your food as what it's going to become when it's not food anymore. And like all these things, I don't know. Um, I don't know if that would help with our, your clinging, but it's an exercise you can do where if you find yourself really clinging to something, you just try to imagine it in the form it will be in later because it will be because we know everything's impermanent from, you know, from you and I to this device I'm recording on, my car, my house, but not only that, but also things we think of as permanent, like mountains. Mountains don't last forever either, and stars don't last forever either. Everything. Everything decays. And so when 
we can realize that true refuge cannot be found in material things. It's found in a sort of inner peace and acceptance. It's found in kind words and caring about others. And it's found in really paying attention and appreciating things while they're here. So what we want to do, what we are encouraged to do is stop clinging so much and to hold on loosely when we can. So that's it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.